Insurrection, masks, injections, closed schools, silenced truth tellers, people held for more than a year in solitary without charge. What really are the facts? In the information age, the people being starved for the truth. To the rescue, TNN, the Truth News Network, and your hero, Dan Newman. One of the political groups. In fact, the one that controls all three branches of the government now, well, not all three, the executive and the legislative branch, I'm talking about Democrats, they determine what truth is at any one particular in time, and it's easy to define truth in their world. It's whatever they think is the truth, period. There are no exceptions. If you disagree with them on anything and on everything, you're wrong. And they don't stop there. They just sentence you to whatever hell or death that they have imagined for us all. Well, good morning, everyone. Guess what's happening today? Truth is happening today, right here, right now. Us with you at Truth News Network. And man, we've had a big week and Just think about it. We have another day left after today and then the weekend. I look forward to the weekends now. Every weekend, to be honest with you, most of our weekends are filled with uh, grandchildren soccer this time of year. And I'm from that old school of what football is. Here in the United States, it's always been to us football. Everywhere else in the world, football is actually soccer. I just can't get used to that. I can't get used to watching soccer matches. The only reason I go, to be quite honest with you, it's not that it's a slow game. I'm used to having scores of 35 to 31. And if you have a 4 to 3 soccer score finish, that's a big deal. I've been to one to nothing games that bore the fans to tears. But to be honest, I'm there for the grandchildren. And that is what makes our weekends. One of our granddaughters, one of the twins, uh, they both play soccer and they're both really good, but one of them is just exceptional at this point. And she's about to embark on a really, really egregious soccer career as a sophomore going into her junior year. She's going to play on one of those teams that they don't play in town. This particular one is in Dallas, headquartered in Dallas. Dallas is three and a half hours from here. So that's not a a bad jaunt for a weekend or whatever. But that team, whichever one she's going to be on, there's about six. They're in these week-long tryouts over there. Her dad and her have stayed doing tryouts every day, several times a day with different teams that are part of this league. Those guys travel regionally. When I say regionally, I'm talking about Atlanta, Memphis, um, New Orleans, all over places in this region. They don't just play in town. So it's a new uh, venture for us all. And I guess that means I'll be going out of town every once in a while on the weekend, more than I, I do now. I hope your week's going well. And I hope you've been able to catch up and keep caught up on a lot of things that are happening out there. We try to stay on top of it for you. But I got to be honest with you, in this helter-skelter world we live in, it seems like 
everything changes. The important Chuck stuff changes by the minute sometimes. So you got to stay plugged in. And I thank you for doing just that. Don't forget, anytime you miss a show, you've got multiple ways to go get the show. You go either to Apple Podcast, Spotify Podcast, iHeart Podcast, TuneIn Podcast, Google Podcast even, Stitcher, and Facebook. Now, I have a solemn announcement to make to you, and it probably won't shock you. I got a notice overnight that as of the end of this month, we are no longer welcome with our podcast on Facebook. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. I don't even know how it stayed on there that long. Finally, somebody in censorship just woke up and said, wait a minute, this show's a conservative show. We can't let that live here. We got to stop that. So I got the nice notice overnight, but never fret. We're in negotiations now for another spot on a major network, uh, one that is totally conservative. You can probably, my saying that, narrow it down to have the podcast appear on that site as well. We'll keep you posted during the upcoming weeks. Additionally, we've got a big guest joining us tomorrow morning. I'll, um, I'll tell you more about that later in the show. This person will be with us in our second hour on Friday. So it's going to be a slow day at work for you, I know. And you'll be there between 10 and 11, hard at work. But grab the earbuds and plug them in and stay within earshot of your computer or Bluetooth shot of your uh, computer and at least listen to the second full hour tomorrow. But what do we have today? Isn't it interesting how, I guess over the last 10 days, maybe two weeks, the Ukraine-Russia thing has kind of taken a backseat to everything over here. It's like nothing's going on over there. We're in a horrible roar, we being the Ukrainians who are our allies, so we're teamed with those people. It is a horrible war, and there's some gut-wrenching news coming out of Mariupol, that city that's been under siege now, it seems like, for two months. And the last bastion of people are in caves underground below that steel plant that the Russians have been bombing the steel plant for weeks now. And that part of the steel plant, it's massive. I've seen overhead and landscape pictures of it. That plant is unbelievably large. I've never seen one like it. And it looks like the Russians are making one big stand to finish those that are inside. It's a combination of civilians and Russian military. And of course, excuse me, the Ukrainian military and uh, civilians. Of course, civilians being in the line of fire never has stopped the Russian army. They just kill anybody and everybody that gets in the way. So I wanted to let you kind of weigh in about that, and uh, we'll turn to ABC News to get the rest of what uh, is important about what's going on today, right now, in Ukraine. Into the war in Ukraine, Russia tonight intensifying its attacks, its troops entering the last stronghold in Mariupol, that steel plant. In fact, tonight, video posted by pro-Russian separatists showing explosions at the plant that those troops have now breached the outer perimeter there. Video circulating online showing a missile strike on a bridge in the central city of Dnipro and in Kharkiv, the second largest city 
where Ukraine's troops are making gains, Russian rockets slamming into an amusement park, including a children's playground. But of course, the concern in Mariupol are the civilians and the fighters still inside that plant. Our senior foreign correspondent, Ian Panel, in Ukraine again tonight. Tonight, large explosions at the Avastal steel plant, seen in undated video posted by pro-Russian separatists. Putin's troops breaking through today into the Mariupol factory, where Ukrainian fighters in the city are making a last stand. Up to 200 civilians are still believed to be trapped underground there. And in Avdivka, an explosion near a bus stop killing at least 10 people, seen in video posted by Ukrainian officials. But in the northeast, Russia's invasion is starting to look more like a retreat. These gruesome images show dead Russian soldiers lying in the open as Ukrainian troops retake territory. Some bodies even arranged in the Z pattern that Russia uses as an insignia for its war. The Kremlin now increasingly resorting to missile and rocket attacks, the targets often indiscriminate. We were in Kharkiv when this happened yesterday, an amusement park in the city hit by at least two Russian rockets. We're at the scene of one of the bombings inside Kharkiv. This is Gorky Park. This was a children's playground. You can see the Ferris wheel over there. There was a beer garden, a photo booth, even a child's playground. Luckily, there was no one playing there at the time, but it just tells you everything you need to know about whether or not the Russians are actually targeting anything or not. These are civilian sites that are being repeatedly hit across this city. In response to Russia's brutality, the European Union tightening sanctions and proposing a total ban on Russian oil by the end of the year. If it passes, it could be a serious blow to Russia's economy and its war machine. David, those battles raging in Mariupol, we spoke to someone from the far-right Azov battalion who's at the steel plant. What he says now is that surrender is not an option. So unless the Russians give them safe passage to leave the complex, which is highly unlikely, then they're going to have no choice but to stand and fight to the death. That is amazing that free people from a free nation were invaded, unprovoked by the way, by the biggest bully on the planet, Vladimir Putin and Russia. Nobody knows all of the reasons why, of course, we hear excuses rolled out every now and then. And it's all about the evil and the evil people in Ukraine. That's the justification Putin has uh, taken on as his cause for saving Russians that live in Ukraine, saving them from the Ukrainian evil people. I think it's probably directly opposite of that. Well, our hearts and minds and thoughts go out to the Ukrainian people. Prayers for them. They've continued to go up for my house. I uh, I can't stand to see the underdog just get bulldozered over by the bully. I just can't stand to see that happening at every level, especially when you talk about not just men, men, women, and kids, not just being pushed out of their homes and their cities, but in many cases just obliterated from the planet by just missile fire and tank fire and weaponry of all kind, bombs from up in the air. Everything is being thrown at the Ukrainian people. And I don't think most of these, especially the younger ones, have seen this before. But it is what it is, and our hearts are with them and our prayers are with them. I encourage you to do the same thing. Well, of course, all week long, the 900-pound gorilla in our room has been about that preliminary opinion 
on Roe v. Wade at the U.S. Supreme Court, a draft of that opinion got leaked. We don't know who the leak is. There are some people in Congress that say they have a pretty good idea. They won't give names, obviously. Um, But it's not going to be good to have leaked it because if they have access to it, it's almost, I'd say, 99 and 9 tenths percent sure it's somebody that works in the Supreme Court. And those people are all attorneys. And it's the greatest honor on earth for any attorney or even any wannabe attorney to get a clerk position at the United States Supreme Court. Those are the only ones that anybody can think would actually have access uh, and don't know how they did get access because even the hard copies, when there ever are any, are only done at the last minute. We'll find out about that. But they think they pretty well have it figured out. But boy, talk about looking for something to, another bullet to put in your gun to fire against your opponents. The left have just gone absolutely stark raving crazy about this abortion thing. And every one of them are coming up almost every day with a new line. Hey, here's a new approach we can take. Keep the others. But let's just put this one in our other quiver of arrows. Everybody's taking sides. And the narrative has nothing to do or very little to do with the facts of the matter. If Roe v. Wade is overturned by the Supreme Court, it does not, it does not, I repeat, make abortion illegal. In fact, it's exactly the opposite. Abortion will go back to where it was adjudicated previously, before Roe v. Wade. States determine on their own for their own people. And after all, isn't that the way the Constitution is set up for governing to always be of the people, by the people, and for the people? Our elections are set up that way. States have unilateral authority on the structure of the elections, every kind of election, even federal elections. So there are constant lies floating around. And I mean every day. It seems to, when you think it can't, it gets louder and louder and louder from the left. Anybody that believes in abortion is the epitome of Satan himself, according to anybody you talk to. We've got a story a little bit later on about what Tim Ryan says. He's running for the Senate seat. One of the, uh, he's running against now J.D. Vance in uh, the midterm election to determine the seat of outgoing Rob Portman who is a Republican, Tim Ryan is, he's well known and pretty well thought of as an Ohioan for his life, J.D. Vance as well, but he's a newbie in politics, Tim Ryan not so much, but he came out yesterday with some stuff that it's just absolutely crazy, we got a story about that, but let's turn to the President of the United States, why don't we start there? He is always the big guy in the room. Um, He's saying some crazy things. Does that shock you? (laughs) It doesn't shock me, that's for sure. Yesterday, Jen Psaki weighed in on her boss, and we're going to let you hear from the president himself in a minute. But I thought we'd do this first. President Biden has been struck by the influence that 
former President Donald Trump has over the Republican Party. Now, his even bringing this up in a conversation or speech, I don't even know I would bring it up. But um, he lives, breathes in another world than you are, at least part of the time now. Saki said he's been struck by the hold his predecessor seems to have on far too many members, not all, but far too many members of the party. That comment came a day after two candidates endorsed Trump, J.D. Vance and Max Miller, and they won in their Republican primaries. J.D. Vance, as I just told you, secured a victory in his primary. The race was first sign of Trump's influence in the midterm elections in November. They wanted to write a story that this campaign would be the death of Donald Trump's America First agenda. That's Vance talking at a victory party after elections on Tuesday night. Ladies and gentlemen, it ain't the death of the America First agenda. Senator Josh Hawley took to Twitter to call Vance's victory a big moment for the Republican Party. J.D. represents the future of the conservative moment as a coalition of working people, families, and people of faith welcoming every American who believes in this nation on to victory in November. Don't forget right now, the Senate split 50-50. In November, Ohio will choose one new member to the Senate, a seat to be, as I said, vacated by retiring Senator Rob Portman, who's a Republican. Max Miller's a new guy. He won the Ohio Republican House primary on Tuesday, and he becomes the Republican nominee for Ohio's 7th Congressional District in the midterm elections. And, by the way, that district is almost totally Republican. Aside from Vance and Miller, pro-Trump candidates Jennifer Ruth Green and Aaron Houchin won the Republican primaries in Indiana's 1st and 9th congressional seats. Earlier, Biden harshly criticized MAGA supporters. He criticized, I mean, with a broad brush. And he got really ugly about it. He characterized the MAGA crowd as the most extreme political organization that's existed in recent American history. And he was speaking to a group of reporters about the U.S. economy. Now think about that. He's running for re-election, he says, in 2024. Seventy-plus million people are reported to have voted for Donald Trump. Seventy-four million people. A lot of those 74 million, a huge portion of them, are what Joe Biden terms as the MAGA crowd. So he's doing exactly the same thing that Hillary Clinton did when she did it verbally. She said, remember, that you could put at least half of Trump's supporters in a basket. In other words, group us all together. And she called us a basket of deplorables. Joe is saying, if you're conservative, you're part of the most extreme political organization that's existed in recent American history. Recent American history. I would think that would be, you know, in the previous, the end, second half of the previous century and the 22 years so far in this one. Well, only 21. We haven't finished our 22nd year in this century. 
recent history, the most extreme political organization. I don't know about Joe. Obviously, he has a little memory problem. But I would think a group like the Ku Klux Klan, that during the second half of the last century, um, they hung people all the time, burned people all the time, put crosses in the front yards of houses and businesses all the time. Why? They didn't like African-American people. And you know who founded that party? Democrats. The Democrat Party founded the Ku Klux Klan in the South. That's where it started. And it'll surprise you, but it's no longer just there. Everywhere you look in the United States, you're going to find racists. And racists, what that means, it's people of one color don't like people of other colors. And there's another faux pas. While I'm talking about this, I'll just throw it in. There's a lot of racists that aren't white folks. A lot of people. Brown. Asian. Hispanic. African Americans. People from other nations. And I I guess by the truest sense of the word, If you feel that way, you're a racist, no matter what your skin color is. But he's got to find. They all have to find, and now they're really digging in to find more weapons, as I said at the beginning of this this show. Got to have a bunch more arrows in their quiver. They need a bunch of them. And, of course, Uncle Joe, his, uh, his outcry, he just started really much yesterday, a little bit the day before, with the Supreme Court reportedly being set to strike Roe v. Wade. It's dominated the news cycle since Politico broke it. And Biden was speaking to reporters yesterday, I told you about it, was in the same speech. But at the beginning of the speech, he talked about abortion first. And he he accidentally, I'm sure, he matter-of-factly stated that what's at stake is the ability to abort a child, a child, while voicing his support for the codification of Roe to make it a permanent federal law. He didn't say to abort a fetus, which is what they had to go to to be able to somehow emotionally justify it to the United States, the whole citizenry, They can't bear to think about aborting a child. It's not living, they tell us. They've been telling us that for years. It doesn't doesn't get alive until it leaves mama's womb. But Joe calls it killing a child. He pretty much made the case for the pro-lifers when he did it. His take undermines that long-time clump of cells position or the use of some other benign terms like fetus and lends credence to the pro-life's moral argument against killing unborn babies. I mean, so the idea that we're going to make a judgment that is going to say that no one can make the judgment to choose to abort a child based on a decision by the Supreme Court, I think, goes way overboard, Biden said. It seems Democrats are okay with the Supreme Court saying it's a right to have an abortion, but suddenly they lose all faith in the court when it varies 
from that one point that they like. Earlier in his remarks, he tried to expand the issue to include another third rail topic. And what's that? Well, it's another quiver in their, uh, excuse me, another arrow in their quiver, and that is gay marriage. Now listen to this. Talk about go from one extreme to an even more extreme point. If this decision holds, it's really quite a radical decision, he said. And again, the underlying premise, and again, I've not had a chance to thoroughly go into the report, the decision, but it basically says all the decisions related to your private life, who you marry, whether or not you decide to even conceive a child, whether or not you can have an abortion, a range of other decisions, whether or not how you raise your child. What does this do? And does this, and I'm quoting him verbatim, what does this do? And does this mean that in Florida, they can decide they're going to pass a law saying the same-sex marriage is not permissible, that it's against the law in Florida, he continued? And so there's a whole, it's a fundamental shift in America jurisprudence if it were to hold. The reaction to the president's comment about aborting a child centered first and foremost, obviously, on the fact that he's a Catholic. And so, being a Catholic, let me give you some of the replies on Twitter. Amy Kremer, this devout Catholic uses the phrase abort a child? I don't think Jesus would approve. (laughs) RBE, RB Pundit, abort a child? Exactly, some would call this murder. Ray, Bishops excommunicate this man. Quit facilitating a mockery of our faith. Ellen Carmichael, not a fetus, not a pregnancy, a child. The president just said it himself. John Cooper, wow, Biden admits that abortion ends the life of a child. Rare to see that frank of an omission from this White House, or any other one for that matter, in recent memory. He just digs a ditch and it gets deeper and deeper. He just doesn't have it all together. That's all it can be. There's a a kind of troubling story that came out overnight. You may have heard about what happened late Tuesday out in LA after Barack Obama and former first lady, Michelle Obama, they put out a statement calling for Americans to protest the potential overturning of Roe v. Wade. An abortion rights protest in downtown L.A. has escalated into a clash with law enforcement after officers were killed to disperse the crowds, resulting in the injury of at least one officer Tuesday night. Photos and videos online show officers mostly monitoring the crowd, which grew from a peaceful gathering of about 30 outside the federal courthouse to over 250 people flooding the streets, blocking traffic. But then some protesters began throwing objects at the officers. So the LA Times notes the protesters also smashed the glass door of a Planet Fitness, smashed the window of a police cruiser, tagged a bus stop with the words Google LASD gangs, knocked over fences at City Hall and spray-painted slogans on the pavement. 
The riot occurred hours after the Obamas released a scathing statement begging pro-abortion advocates to not just turn back to their work or families or daily risk, but to instead join with For Life, For Life, Far Left activists at a local protest. A clear majority of Americans support Roe, it said. Yet we recognize that while many are angry and frustrated by this report, some of those who support Roe may feel helpless and instinctively turn their back on work or families or daily tasks, telling themselves that because this outcome may have been predictable, there's nothing any of us can do. Think of any of the hundreds of thousands of women each year who deserve the dignity and freedom of making a decision that is right for their bodies and their circumstances. But we're not asking you to just think about these people. We're asking you to join with the activists who've been sounding the alarm on this issue for years and act. Stand with them at a local protest. Volunteer with them on a campaign. So they too got some replies in the form of tweets. Todd Storns, Barack Hussein Obama and his wife are calling for protest. Dominique Gallegos, you're calling for an insurrection? That's treason on top of that already lengthy number of treason charges against you. Betsy Donnelly, so in other words, both of you are inciting mob rule, just like you chose to accuse Trump of insurrection, you were doing worse. Lock you up for inciting riots. Uber Ed STL, are you inciting a riot? Floor Lee. hmm, insurrection much, hypocrites. Now note that what you just heard from the Obama statement included not one little bit of condemnation of the unprecedented historic and potentially illegal leak of the potential Roe v. Wade decision. A leak that many say was made precisely to do what it's doing now, spur mob protest and intimidate the court's justices. The next time you hear the far left preaching about how they're fighting to preserve our republic's institutions and norms, remember how they leaked a Supreme Court opinion in an attempt to intimidate the justices on abortion. Now, this is Marco Rubio, a Republican. The left continues its assault on the Supreme Court with an unprecedented breach of confidentiality clearly meant to intimidate. That's Josh Harley. Writing for Substack, liberal journalist Barry Weiss noted that the leak tarnished the Supreme Court's sacredness. The Supreme Court was always the most cloistered governmental institution in America, the one where wisdom and precedent and reverence for our great constitutional tradition outweighed everything else. If there was something sacred that remained, that was it. Yes, there have been leaks from the court before. But as Politico pointed out, this leak was historic and not in a good way. No draft decision in the modern history of the court has been disclosed publicly while a case is still pending. But again, The Obamas had nothing to say about this. Their base, meanwhile, had plenty to say about it. Barack Obama, in particular, reneging on a promise he'd made years ago to sign the so-called Freedom for Choice Act. Brianna Joy Gray, in a tweet, So, nothing about why he didn't codify Roe 
when he had a supermajority in Congress. Nandini Belial. Just a copy in the tweet of a story from the Catholic Review. And it's from 2012. President Barack Obama. Let me get it up here. President Barack Obama in his April 29, 2012 press conference said the Freedom of Choice Act was not his highest legislative priority and that he is instead focusing on reducing unwanted pregnancies. Now, this is when he's morphing through his change. By the way, when he ran for Senate from Illinois, that was his first national post, he and uh, Michelle were totally pro-lifers, totally one man, one woman. In other words, the only marriage that could be codified or they wanted to be codified were a man marrying a woman. He said at the end of this January 19, 2012 press relief, uh, press release, I believe that women should have the right to choose, but I think that the most important thing we can do to tamp down some of the anger surrounding this issue is to focus on those areas that we can agree on. Boy, what a great, great thing to think about, right? Let's focus on things that we can do something about. We have plenty. We have plenty to deal with. We don't need to manufacture new wars. We have far than more than enough for this generation in the next 10 or 20. Why don't we just go to what we're supposed to do, which is to get together discuss issues from both sides, obviously. Find ways, if there are ways, there may not be ways to get to contentions, uh, to consensus. But what contention and consensus can ultimately morph into, and it's not always a bad thing, is you agree to disagree. You walk away from it without lighting the fires and burning bridges. When you're one of the 535 people that serve in the United States Congress that are there expressly to represent the values of those who you represent. Not yourself, not your political party. If we if we lose that ability to be able to try, try, try to convince the others to come to your side on some issues and that we totally reject any little bitty percentage of common ground that we might reach between the two versions, yeah, they're 180 degrees apart in most cases. And we may not be able to get all one way. It wouldn't stay the way it is, and the other side couldn't talk the people on the way it is side to come to their side. But maybe, oh, maybe there's a place to meet in the middle. That, in this political environment, in the abortion debate. That's not even on the table at all. You can't always have things your way. Even if your way is the right way, you've only got two choices. You can try to work it out. I mean, if we if we embraced and held that any time any two people or any two groups of people have opposite positions on everything, The only answer to resolve it is to kill everybody on one side. That's exactly what we're looking at right now today. 
I didn't play the president's words from uh, yesterday's speech about this whole thing, about MAGA people being extremist. Listen to his words. This is only about uh, 30 seconds. But listen to his words and listen to the emotion in what he says. And I'll tell you why that's important after you hear him say it. What's the next step on abortion once this case gets settled? What happens if you have a state change the law saying that, that, that children who are LGBTQ can't be in classrooms with other children? Is that, is that legit under the way that the decision is written? What are the next things that are going to be attacked? Because this MAGA crowd is really the most extreme political ex- organization that's existed in American history, in recent American history. The most extreme political group in recent U.S. history. And I gave you the big example where he, what he was saying has absolutely no root in common sense and truthfulness when it comes to history. He wants everybody, all of us, to forget the fact that in uh, as late as 2006, 2007, Joe was hardcore pro-life which you would expect him as a devout lifer in the Catholic Church to be that way. Barack and Michelle, the same thing. Now, why, oh, why are they no longer holding to those opinions? There's only one reason. I don't even need to tell you, but I'll remind you. The Democrat Party had already taken the position because they felt like it was a a way, a thing, a chit that they could throw in the game of power in Congress and other things in Washington, D.C., and that because the Democrat Party looked over there and said, you know what, a bunch of you, yeah, we know you, you've been pro-life, but that's not playing out well. We need some more bullets to draw people to our side of this political spectrum. We're going to go all out pro-abortion, and they like to call it pro-choice, but it's not. It's anything but pro-choice. If it was choice, if there was a conversation, I mean a real conversation between people standing, maybe talking, maybe friends, maybe acquaintances, maybe they work together at the office, and there's controversy there, they would try to work something out and give everybody a choice that's in the conversation. Well, it's never just a man and a woman. There's a third party that is not considered to be a person. Yet, Joe Biden, the president, called fetuses children. Aborting a child. The only reason those on the left are so hardcore about this is they desperately want this to be codified in federal law. They want a federal law that everybody could agree on, on the far left side, and they want it to make it where it is bulletproof at the Supreme Court. They're going to have a problem doing that. For the same reason, they're having a problem that Justice Samuel Alito wrote in that decision, the draft version of it. And that is, Constitution has nothing to say about abortion. 
or a woman's right to have an abortion. It also doesn't say that there is no legal way to do abortions. It's not even mentioned. Typically, when those things happen in the U.S. Constitution, the default position of determining what's right and wrong goes back to the states, where this, if it's overturned, Roe v. Wade, it throws the whole issue back to each of the 50 states and their state legislatures, which is what the Constitution maintains in its writings from front to back about the PowerPoints in our lives in government. The states represent the people directly. It's not going to do anything but make some people have a little more inconvenience about getting an abortion. I don't know about you, but I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I think it should take a long time, and I think, which in the case of an abortion, it obviously can't, I think people need to make hard, hard choices very diligently in professional care, but not just professional care. Talking to people in their life that are mentors, maybe a parent, maybe an extended family member. It may be a pastor, a priest, a therapist. Very few of us have the attribute of when there's something very seriously confronting us that we can be objectively and think our way through the entire thing. And when it comes to abortion, I can tell you, it's not an easy choice for most people. And for those that it is an easy choice, it makes me wonder what kind of people they really are because they are killing somebody. I don't care how you couch it. I don't care how you phrase it. That's a baby. It's not a fetus. My wife has never received one invitation to a fetus shower. It's always been a baby shower. I'm a Verizon engineer, and today we're turning on 5G across the country, including right here in New York City. With the coverage of 5G nationwide and in more and more cities, the unprecedented performance of ultra-wideband. It will change your phone and how businesses do everything. I'm proud because we didn't build it the easy way. We built it right. This is the 5G America's been waiting for, only from Verizon. 5G ultra-wideband available only in parts of select cities. 5G nationwide available in 1,800 plus cities. Today on Hey Culligan, softer equals better. Here's a tweet from Ed Itchy in Idaho. Hey Culligan, my laundry is so scratchy, I just cut myself on a cable knit sweater. Any suggestions? Hashtag send help. Hey Ed Itchy in Idaho, yes, the Culligan high efficiency water softener will make that thing so soft, it'll go from cable knit to cable knot. Itchy. Hashtag soft laundry. Hashtag already on the way. Get started for as little as $10 a month for six months at participating Culligan dealers. If you think we're just four wheels in a grill, think again. The Jeep Grand Cherokee redefines freedom. But what really makes Jeep? It's finding the perfect balance between luxury and adventure without ever compromising. It's driving across the country to see your family, to make new memories. So, what makes Jeep? You do. Jeep. There's only one. Jeep is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC. 
The advanced surgeons at the Center for Innovative GYN Care look beyond quick fixes like birth control to help their patients find the best treatment options for complex GYN conditions. My name is Sakina, and I had the CIGC groundbreaking minimally invasive hysterectomy. I got back to my life in a week with only two small incisions and minimal scarring. Discover the CIGC difference with offices in Midtown Manhattan and Montclair, New Jersey. Telemedicine appointments are also available. Book a consultation at InnovativeGYN.com or call 888-SURGERY. This is the truth your mama warned you about. TNN, the Truth News Network. Truthnewsnet.org. And Dan Newman. I mentioned Tim Ryan. Tim Ryan has been in the um, House of Representatives, but he is fighting hard to replace Republican Senator Rob Portman of Ohio, who's retiring. He will be running against J.D. Vance, who won his primary handily the other evening. Yesterday afternoon, Tim Ryan was on Fox News with host Brett Baer. And um, Brett Baer asked, as senator, if you're elected, would you have any limits on abortion? Now, of course, Ryan, he had to he had to give him a politically correct answer. Listen to this. I'm going to read it verbatim. Look, I think what we had established in Roe is something that we can continue to work with. And I think those can be the parameters. But then again, if you get rid of what was established law, which in many ways was conservative, to keep that to appreciate star decisis and make sure we appreciate the law, if we move away from that, you're going to get states like Ohio that have some of the most extreme laws in the whole country, where if you are a young girl and you've been raped or there's been incest that you have to, the state, the government is going to force you to bring that baby to term, and I don't think that's a fundamental value. So all he did was just walked around the issue, walked around. Bear wouldn't let him do it. He followed up saying, my question was about any limits to abortion at any point, late term, anything. Ryan responded, look, you've got to leave it up to the woman because you and I sitting here can't account for all of the different scenarios that a woman dealing with the complexities of a pregnancy are going through. How can you and I figure that out? So he had to take it back off the table and move the argument upstream. And what's upstream for a Democrat? It's the storyline. Abortion, anytime, anywhere, for anybody who wants one. And the next thing that they're going to push for is never to have the Hyde Amendment attached to any type of legislative act, which it always has been, And all that says, the context of the Hyde Amendment was to prevent any federal taxpayer funds to be used on abortions. And the big target of that, of course, always has been Planned Parenthood, the biggest abortion provider in the nation. And yes, to this day, because of Democrats in the House and the Senate, we still fund Planned Parenthood. They avow. None of that money that comes from the federal government, the half a billion a year, none of that is used for abortions. Yeah, right. 
I wonder if they've ever been audited. <laughs> you don't think, you don't think that possibly could happen ever. <laughs> so he is totally all in, pro-choice, period. Now he's going to run on that in Ohio. Ohio's a conservative state. Let me tell you what I think Tim Ryan is doing. I think he's posturing. He's been in the Senate. He's well-known, at least in, in Ohio. But I think what he's trying to do now is build a stage from which he can launch a presidential campaign in 2024. I really think that's what he's doing. And to do that, any good Democrat knows you've got to get the pillar stones of all of the Democrat philosophies. You've got to take ownership yourself and make sure that every time you get a microphone in front of a camera, you make sure you go back to, I'm totally, you don't say this, but I'm totally all in for every one of those doofus Democrat policies that don't have a leg to stand on, but I want to be a Democrat in the White House. Wow. Let me tell you somebody else who's waiting. Everybody's wanting a shot on either side of this whole thing. You know who Michelle Malkin is. We've had some of her audio input here at this show. It hadn't been much of late because I think she's kind of been laying low. Anyway, she couldn't stand it. She'd been on the sidelines on this issue. And uh, here's what she said. Left-wing abortifa agitators descended on the Supreme Court steps in Washington howling, fascist scum has got to go. Uninged TikTokers called for riots, gas, and torches, burning it all to the ground by targeting all those old white men and women who support them and mayhem in the streets that will dwarf the global protest around George Floyd. One prototypical Hollywood feminist, Amanda Duarte, who is a self-described barren, child-eating sex witch, her words. She tweeted her fantasy involving the little white daughters of pro-life white supremacist lawmakers getting raped and impregnated by black men. Malkin says this, the abortocrats are not just nuts, they're evil. This collective, whatever you want to call them, they're instructing women. Yeah, all of a sudden, the left has discovered that biological women are really a thing. <laughs> How to concoct do-it-yourself abortion pills with horse ulcer powder, corn syrup, and confectioner sugar. Oh, by the way, those are the same types who made it a punishable offense to talk about alternative COVID-19 treatment, ivermectin. You know, that anti-malarial drug used safely for three decades around the globe by humans and animals. It's the same ones that are up on their chairs jumping up and down about this. And it's not making abortion illegal. That's what they're wanting everybody to believe. That's an arrow in their quiver for the midterms. They finally got one. Right on cue, any Christian hatred spread like a raging wildfire all across the enemy. From the propane 
profane abortion-promoting rabbi who fumed, shame on all who hold the cross, and time to go to war to thousands of his fellow online vigilantes posting F Christians with veiled or outright threats of violence. Planned Parenthood, woo, American Civil Liberties Union, they were at the ready. They were in Philadelphia, Washington, D.C., and New York City's Foley Square for what they called impromptu protest and literal scream fest where a bunch of spontaneously rabble-rousers carried they carried spontaneously printed carbon copy signs from the billion-dollar-funded giants of the death lobby. Question the timing of that? That would be irresponsible if, you, if we didn't do those. Survey the political landscape. Earlier, Left Week NPR reported that Joe Biden is losing support from Gen Z. Generation Z. The libs in deep blue Massachusetts are sick of him too. That's according to a Boston Globe Suffolk University poll. Another lib outlet, government-sponsored PBS. They reported last week that independents favor the GOP right now because runaway inflation is hitting everyone's wallets and has given Republicans a political edge. Pollsters also found that about half of parents with children under age 18 said they don't like how Biden has handled COVID. So despite this huge lift attempted by the White House, Black Lives Matter, woke media, attempting to gin up fear over white supremacy as the biggest threat to our nation, unbrainwashed citizens are revolting en masse against any white critical race theory in higher education and social and emotional learning. Translation, (laughs) thought control and behavior modification. It's all happening in K2 through 12 schools. That's where they want it. BLM's multi-million dollar grift has now hit mainstream exposure. And the Biden Disinformation Governance Board, headed by TikTok bubblehead and Hunter Biden laptop whitewasher Nina Jankowitz, has become a laughingstock across the board. But what it's doing, it's taking the eyes and the thoughts off of the Democrats, focusing all of the vitriol at the GOP and every other conservative. This is all engineered. It's coordinated. It's abortion mania. It comes at an opportune time for Biden's big pharmacy allies too, just this week. A new study documented more COVID-19 vaccine-induced heart infections. New surveillance data from the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System, VAERS report confirms a statistically significant increased risk for Julian Barr syndrome, which is basically um, Alzheimer's light, in the three weeks after receipt of the Johnson & Johnson COVID-19 vaccine. And then there's profiteering Pfizer, which is pushing Biden to approve COVID-19 shots for kids under five. They were forced to release more than 90,000 pages of jab data that it tried to cover up. And it's full. We've reported on much of it here. The adverse effects that that we talk about, so many people, they're having these horrible adverse reactions 
not to COVID-19, but to the vaccines. To the vaccines. Make no mistake. There are no coincidences. And conspiracies are not just theories, especially in an even-numbered election year with the crumbling, bumbling commander-in-chief and his minions desperately clinging to power. They want control. That's what it's all about, getting and maintaining control. Now, of course, their representatives in Congress, they said, we're just going to, we're going to go in, we're going to go into session and we're going to put a abortion law together, specifically that makes and says in it, abortion is legal. And they tried, but guess what? Two days ago, Schumer promised a vote to codify Roe v. Wade after that leak out of the Supreme Court. A vote on this legislation is not an abstract exercise, he said. This is an urgent and real as it gets. We will vote to protect a woman's right to choose, and every American is going to see which side every senator stands. Only 47% support codifying Roe v. Wade. 53% of the electorate either opposes abortion legislation or is unsure whether it should be enacted. 29% have determined they oppose codifying the ruling. 23% have not made up their mind. The overall polling seemed to fall along the lines of independent voters who are also divided on the issue. A majority of those folks do not support codifying Roe v. Wade. Only 46% do, while 53% either oppose or they're unsure. The poll gave us some more info. 57% think that the 1973 court case would be overturned, while a total of 22% said it would not, a difference of 35 points. Some more polling indicated worse news for Democrats. 54% support banning abortions, except in certain cases, after 15 weeks of pregnancy and return the question of abortion and its legality back to the states. Only 41% were opposed to that. Additional polling. Americans are highly skeptical of hardline abortion policies. 71% want significant limits on abortion. 77% support banning infanticide. 80% believe third trimester abortion should be illegal. And then that caveat again, Americans also so oppose taxpayer-funded abortions by a 20-point margin. It's a big deal. And they keep, they keep it up in the air. That's what blows my mind. Well, I told you at the top of the show, if you just joined us, I know how busy you are. I told you we were going to have a guest with us tomorrow. Tomorrow morning in our second hour, the second half of our second hour, by the way. Who is it? I don't know. I said I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to leak it. I was going to keep it a secret, but maybe, maybe I ought to tell you. I tell you what, we're going to take a break. And, uh, I'm going to think about it during the break. Yeah, coming out of the break, I'm going to tell you who's going to be here with us tomorrow morning. 
Computer, execute 12.4p operation. Optimizing algorithm. Running encryption packet alpha 990. Oh, I don't feel so good. What? What is it, computer? Is it hot in here? It feels hot in here? I feel a little clammy. I should lie down or something. A computer with a virus? Surprising. What's not surprising? How much you could save by switching to GEICO. Those oysters Rockefeller were a mistake. GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. See the bold new expression of sporty style. Hear the amazing quietness of a truly luxurious cabin. Feel the exceptional horsepower and amazing torque. And experience greater acceleration than ever before. Behold, the most powerful sedan in its class. The new Toyota Camry. Real power, absolute performance. Discover the new Camry at toyota.com.my. In every age, a technology is created that upends the foundations of society. The wheel, the printing press, the internet. Now, in a world sliding into financial chaos, a new technology is changing the way monetary systems work around the world. It is called Bitcoin. Bitcoin is a new form of money, controlled not by banks, governments, or corporations, but through mutual commerce between free individuals. To learn more, visit WeUseCoins.com. Drinking water is essential to your health. That's why you need to drink plenty of water to keep you hydrated throughout the day. Unlike power drinks or soft drinks, water is truly the only drink that can quench your thirst. It's an easy, refreshing way to keep your body healthy and strong. Freshen up today with a brisk, cool bottle of water. Election cycles come and go. White House reporters come and go. The truth is a diamond because it's forever. TNN, the Truth News Network. Your jeweler today is Dan Newman. Our guest tomorrow in the second hour of our show, it's nobody new here, Congressman Mike Johnson from the 4th Congressional District in Louisiana. He, I think, now is the fourth most um, seniority uh, in command of, I, I don't know the right number, in the daisy chain, chain of who's at the top in each party, I think he's number four in the, in the House, in the Republican Party, in the House, the matters dealing in the House. And he serves on a couple of very important committees. I guess probably the most important is the House Judiciary Committee. But he's going to be with us and uh, there's something in the air. I don't know if you've heard about it. Have you heard the name 2,000 Mules? 2,000 Mules. There's a documentary that is coming out. It's in the process now of coming out. I went to a invitation-only um, private screening, they call it, at a local major theater. And it was initiated initially by Dinesh Souza. You know, Dinesh is a, uh, a very, very conservative author, filmmaker. Um, he got into it with Barack Obama, and Obama ended up putting him in federal prison just to shut him up. Well, he's out of jail, and he's out of jail because he got a full pardon from Donald Trump. He never should have been in jail, but it was a, uh, a hardcore leftist exercising executive power and unleashing the Department of Justice on an American citizen. 
But that's a story for another day. Let me give you the top line gist of this. You know, shortly after the 2020 election, um, Mike Lindell, the My Pillow guy, he put together, he brought in a bunch of election experts, especially electronic internet election experts, and gave us a lot of uh, questions, did not, in my opinion, conclusively prove that there was voter fraud, rampant voter fraud in the 2020 election. But it wasn't enough to really start anything. You know what I mean? And I don't know what's going to happen now, but let me tell you the difference. Dinesh D'Souza didn't put anything together. It ended up in his lap, and he narrates this documentary. It's an hour and about 30 minutes, maybe 35 minutes, I think. It's shorter than a typical movie. But it is chock full of not just data and information, a group called uh, Truth the Vote is the name of it. It's a not-for-profit, not but they were structured initially because in previous elections, like 2016, 2018, there were a lot of stories of fraud in voting, rampant fraud. And it doesn't do any good at the top to try to go after the top when it comes to possible election fraud. So they went right to the to the uh, bottom line, and they started dealing with individual, like state and state congressional district voting problems in multiple states, going in and finding out what the problems were and then doing follow-up. The number one thing they always found was states never clear voting rolls. Now, that, that doesn't sound like it's a really big deal. So what? They didn't purge them from people that died or people that moved out of state or whatever for the last two or three years. But what it does do, it opens up a lot of doors for cheating. Let me give you an example. I'm not going to tell you about the movie, very much of it, but I'm going to tell you, you definitely, every American needs to go see it, 2,000 Mules, when it comes out to theaters. And incidentally, if you if you want to get it sooner and watch it at home, you can do that. Just Google 2,000 Mules, how can I watch it at home? And it's a purchase, but you can download it and uh, and watch it. And it is a spellbinder because it is chock full of 4 million feet of video evidence. Now, what video evidence? True the Vote determined through a very elaborate um, investigation with the largest data company on the planet, one that is an American company, but for the last 40 years has been doing election integrity work for nations in Europe very effectively. And so let me tell you what this company did. And Dinesh did not know any of this was going on. They were doing it because they felt like there was a strong sense that there was fraud in the election and they wanted to find out. So I'm going to back up away from the video footage, and I'm going, to, I'm going to tell you what this company did. They figured that in five of those swing states, you know, the ones that made the difference. I'm talking about Arizona, Wisconsin, uh, Georgia, Pennsylvania, and what's the other one? There's one other one. I said Wisconsin and Mich- Michigan, yeah. Pennsylvania. Anyway, the swing states. 
that it appeared that in the 2020 election, most of the unexplainable things happened. It happened with mail-in ballots. And you know, that was all put out there because of COVID-19 and we've got to give people an easier way to vote than have to go stand in line where it's not safe, they're going to get COVID. All those kind of things rolled in. We We don't have any idea how many of these drop boxes there were in the election. Well, why wouldn't we know? Why wouldn't the state election offices know about it? Well, guess what happened? The Zuckbucks, Mark Zuckerberg, he and his wife threw not-for-profits because it's directly against the law for individuals to give money to voting operations as private citizens in states. They found a way to do it anyway. They did it through not-for-profits. And these not-for-profits would go to these uh, election offices, some in big cities, but most of them in the suburbs in those five states. And they, they would do things like, hey, we, we, we know things are not really good there. Your equipment's old. You need some help. You need some new furniture. Why don't we help you as part of our, our process? We're helping election offices around the state. And they bought election machines. They bought all kinds of other paraphernalia. And they're 501c3s, remember. So they couldn't make it be just for the selection stuff. They had to make it include some other stuff. And they always covered their rears by doing that. With those kind of grants always come some kind of quid pro quo. And typically the way the quid pro quo works in these not-for-profit situations, because they want to they protect that not-for-profit status, because everybody who donates to them gets to write it off. That's the attraction for having them, for Mark Zuckerberg and his wife especially. So $470 million, Zuckbucks, are spread out across Wisconsin and Michigan uh, and Pennsylvania, Georgia, Arizona, principally up in the north central part of the U.S. And they said, look, we're going to help you with this other stuff. But we also want you to look into this. Hmm. What was this? It was the process of handling mail-in ballots. Now I'm going to tease the rest of it for you. The 4 million feet of video I talked about. Guess what every election company or election department and governments do, state governments do? When they have drop boxes around for voting, there's cameras watching them 24-7. They did FOIA requests, Freedom of Information Act requests, to these voting offices, election offices in these swing states, especially clustered around the bigger cities. I'll tell you where they were. Green Bay, Wisconsin and Wisconsin, Detroit and Michigan, Philadelphia, Atlanta, and in Phoenix, Arizona. Those were the big locations were. So they did Freedom of Information Act requests for those videos of those lockboxes, watching those people. 
I'm not going to give you the numbers, but I'm going to tell you it is extraordinary. And they did it legally, but it went one or two steps even further in the way of documenting what went on. This company that I told you, they bought data, electronic data, which can legally and readily, and he can buy it online from companies that grab cell phone signals and location data. They bought it from them for these same areas that they got this video footage of. And it was a massive, massive data dumps. You can imagine. When you see the movie, you'll understand it a whole lot better. But they isolated in the areas surrounding these ballot drop boxes, they isolated the calls that came, cell phone calls that came, and not just calls that came because every iPhone, if it's powered on, it still leaves a signal, a geo signal. And they grabbed all of that. But they clustered around these drop boxes and they circled to put in the number of repeats by the same phones, especially in the dark of night. Based on all of that and the photo evidence, they found in just those five swing states, if a small percentage of the voting in each of those states had been cheated and they came up with a very conservative multiplied uh, number, percentage. If just that percentage, and it only happened in those cities where those drop boxes were placed that were being monitored, Trump would have won easily. And that's not even including the other 45 states. 2,000 mules. I just gave you a tease of it. It's one of the things we're going to be talking about with Mike Johnson in our second hour tomorrow morning here at TNN Live. You don't want to miss it. So what else is happening today in your world? Well, the rhinos, you know what rhinos are, Republican in name only. There's a bunch of them out there, and they were exposed pretty much when Donald Trump ran for president. Um... They were exposed before he became president. They were exposed while he was conducting his race for the 2016 election. You remember that? Everybody laughed at him. Then when they found out the polls were showing that Americans liked him, then they began to attack him. And the biggest group of those people were named rhinos, Republican in name only. They've been put on notice now after what happened in the primaries this week so far. Trump's hold on the GOP is undeniable, at least for this election. Why am I saying that? Do you know last week in uh, the primaries that were held last week, he went 30 for 30 for those that he endorsed in races around the nation? In Ohio, it was J.D. Vance, big win there. And his opponent, J.D. Vance's opponent, the, the leading opponent, uh, was endorsed by Ted Cruz and some other Republicans. And I'm not saying Ted Cruz is rhino. I'm just saying principally every one of those who have been identified through their uh, the way they've campaigned in races, who they've endorsed, and how they conduct themselves when they're in Congress in session, 
those are the ones that have really been put on notice here. Everybody was watching that race for the open Senate seat in Ohio Tuesday. J.D. Fance went up against Josh Mandel. For many, it was an early opportunity to dance on the gravel of Donald Trump and his American First agenda. That's what they were hoping for. The New Yorker pondered whether Trump was headed for a nightmare in Ohio. That was on Monday. (laughs) And even the National Review seemed to anticipate Vance falling short, in part because of an anti-interventionist stance on Ukraine that he holds, saying if he loses, it'll be a sign that his brand of populism simply isn't as popular as he and many others thought. Well, he didn't lose, and those who believed that Trump's influence over the Republican Party would be tested got their answer. In fact, Vance won relatively easy. The Associated Press called the race Tuesday night. He drew 32.2% of the vote compared to 239 for Mandel, 23 for the next closest runner named Dolan. He's now going to go up against U.S. Congressman Tim Ryan from Ohio, a Democrat, who prevailed in the Democrat Party. Hmm, in the primary. Well, well, well. With that victory, the anxiety of those fearing a Trump 2024 run You can bet it jumped. It's up now. Every one of those races and the outcome is just a a little more assurance for the former president that maybe, just maybe, he should run again. Personally, I don't don't think he uh, ever gave any serious thought about not running again, especially as all this information comes out. And in many cases, folks, The voter fraud that happened in 2020, those cases that we were told, oh, the judges all threw it out. They threw it out. The reason most of it was thrown out of court was because they either didn't have standing, those who filed the cases, or the charges didn't line up with the law in those respective states. So what happened? The people filing suits went back to the drawing board. They straightened it up. And in five states, very demonstratively, those Election races in those five states, and not just the swing states, but several of them are, they have concluded there was voter fraud. And those judges have been slapping those electors in those states because a lot of it came from the fact that uh, election laws, according to the U.S. Constitution, elections are run totally by the states, but the laws, the rules for elections rely totally on the state lawmaking bodies. No individuals, no other people in the political system and in those states can change any of the election processes, only the legislatures. In almost every one of those states, governors or secretaries of state or election board appointed people were the ones that changed the election process those mail-in ballots that came in and the tens of millions that nobody knew where they came from, they weren't vetted, nobody knew if the actual voter even was alive. That was the fuel that drove the engine of, aha, we've got a way to manipulate these numbers. And they did. And they have been busted. You don't hear a lot of furor about it. From the left, obviously, as the run-up to the midterms, as this 
documentary and other evidence that keeps coming in makes it look worse and worse for these Democrats. What they're doing, folks, they're throwing a Hail Mary every day or so, kind of like a last-ditch effort, and it's just not working. They can't do it. They can't pull it off. And in the wake of that, and in the wake of this leak at the Supreme Court, Joe Behar, Joy Behar of The View, co-host, she uh, she put herself out in front. You see how ridiculous she is. She expressed fears of fascism down the line and suggesting they'll go after gay marriage, they'll reinstitute racial segregation, all while she was smearing a third of the Supreme Court justices as liars. So after she heard about Alito's majority draft opinion on Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization, that if it if the court rules this way, it would overturn the decision of Roe v. Wade, Joy Behar announced, I couldn't go back to sleep. It's that devastating. What the decision ultimately means is a return of authority back to the states to make their own laws regarding an issue that is not covered, not even mentioned in the Constitution. What the decision does not represent is an act of a rogue judiciary making declarations as the talk show host intimated. It sounds to me that all of them felt that there was precedent set and that they would honor the precedent. And now it's the complete opposite that's happening. Not that I'm surprised you and I were talking before. We're not surprised. We saw this coming. My worry, she said, is that this is just the beginning. Next, they're going to go after gay marriage. And maybe, maybe the board, the what is Brown versus Board of Education, they already eroded our voting rights a little bit, so I see fascism down the line here. So before they do these little things on these talk shows, they, they have a clip. They, they, do, they call it a setup. Clips were played from the Senate confirmation hearings for Justice Neil Gorsuch, Brett Kavanaugh, and Amy Coney Barrett where they each affirmed that Roe was precedent. The legal framework of their arguments led Behar to react with confusion and dismissal. Huh? Whatever? During those hearings, all these people that are voting to overturn this lied. Didn't they lie, she argued, ahead of snippets that were pulled from hours of sworn testimony. For one, if Behar had actually reviewed the opinion, she would see that Alito addressed that precedence got overturned and that Brown v. Board of Education had done exactly that in overturning Plessy v. Ferguson. Some of our most important constitutional decisions have overruled prior precedents. We mentioned three. In Brown v. Board of Education, the court repudiated the separate but equal doctrine which had allowed the states to maintain segregated schools and other facilities. In doing so, the court overruled the infamous decision in Plessy v. Ferguson, along with six other Supreme Court precedents that had applied the separate but equal rule. And that's in Alito's brief that was leaked. On many other occasions, this court, he said, has overruled important constitutional decisions. Without these decisions, he went on, American constitutional law as we know it would be unrecognizable, and this would be a different country. Furthermore, he stipulated, no justice of this court has ever argued 
that the court should never overrule a constitutional decision, but overruling a precedent is a serious matter. On top of that, Behar looked at more than one excerpt from the hearings. If she did that, she would have found the justices consistently argued that they do not make law from the bench. They merely apply the law to cases that come before them. You know what is is so ironical in all of this? Is when these elites, Joy Behar, she con, she considers herself an elite. And she thinks because of that, she's endowed with understanding and knowledge about everything on earth. If you have a question you need to answer, call Joy. She ought to do a, a call-in show for that. She can make a lot of money from it. Of course, they wouldn't call very often because they would find out real quickly that she doesn't know a lot about what she says, but she is not even interested in the process, the whys, the hows, that any Supreme Court decision is made. The only time the Supreme Court weighs in on any issue It has to come through the legal process, through lawsuits that have made it through the lower courts and find their way to the Supreme Court. They don't, it doesn't doesn't even have anything to do with their own opinions about making the law. They will say, I heard uh, in his confirmation hearings, Judge Neil Gorsuch, he scorched members sitting there in the Senate Judiciary Committee, which is where they had to confirm that he could go to the floor to be considered to become a justice. You know what he flamed them with? He told them this. The biggest problem that we have with the law in the United States is the fact that legislators, you men and women specifically, you do not write and craft laws by doing research to get all of the information that's out there on what you're trying to do, good, bad, or ugly. And you do that because what you say is, well, if they don't like the law, they can appeal it. And it ends up with us. We don't write laws. We don't have erasers where we can go in and erase part of the law. It's up to you guys. And if you would take more time And then he threw this thing in there. He said, I'm pretty sure most of the people in Congress are lawyers, so you you know how to write a law. Get together and write one that will pass muster. Why? Because it's legally accurate. None of these people are going to vote based on an opinion. If that was the way they were doing it, they would have been impeached and removed a long time ago. Yes, that can happen justices on the Supreme Court, any federal judge can be impeached. That doesn't happen. No attempt is there. Adam Schiff's not out there parading around wanting to impeach Neil Gorsuch or Brett Kavanaugh or Amy Coney Barrett. That should tell you something because if he could just throw them out, he'd throw them out. Gorsuch explained, this adds to the detriment of law. We have lots of tools that allow us to narrow the realm of admissible dispute between parties. It's part of the reason why the rule of law in this country works so well. We have statutes. 
We have rules. We have a fact-finding process in a judicial system that's the envy of the world. And precedent is a key part of that because once a case is settled, that adds to the determinacy of the law. What was once a hotly contested issue is no longer a hotly contested issue. And we move forward. When he was asked by Dianne Feinstein, Senator from California, Democrat, if he viewed Roe as having a super precedent, the justice replied, it has been reaffirmed many times, I can say that. This is not by any means a contradiction to the snippet played by Behar where Senator Dick Durbin questioned Gorsuch, saying this, the Supreme Court of the United States has held in Roe v. Wade that a fetus is not a person for purposes of the 14th Amendment, and the book explains that. When Durbin asked, Gorsuch accepted the answer and said, that's the law of the land. I accept the law of the land, Senator. Yes, it's not their right, it's certainly not their obligation to rewrite the laws that these states are writing and these members of Congress are writing to submit to actually be signed into law. But even if it's a bad bill that gets signed into law and it gets litigated, which in many cases they do because they're so poorly drafted, it may end up at the Supreme Court for determination. They don't determine if the whole process was done the right way. And they don't say, well, if you had written this in and taken that out, they don't do that. It's an up or down thing. And here's the reason why it's an up or down thing. They don't say, you wrote this. But if you wrote this, it it would be okay and we could rule on it and give you some support. But it's not. It doesn't tie to the Constitution. All of that, what I just went through, is factual That is the factual information about this challenge to Roe v. Wade. And then you have the other side. This is something that is, they can't touch. They can't impact it. It is not a political issue. But everything, of course, when it gets into the mountaintop of media, where they throw everything out there, and people just start grabbing and picking it up and weaponizing it, They figure out a way they can attack the conservatives, attack those conservative justices in the Supreme Court. Those are great arrows. We got to keep these in our our backs side, in our quiver, so that we can use them over and over and over again. They weaponize everything. That's all that matters. What is the political point? And is it against us? And if so, what the heck can we do about it? And when are we going to do it? It's gotten that bad, and it's not looking like it's going to get any better. We have a new justice that's coming in at the end of this term. I think she'll be seated sometime in late June when Alito retires. That's a done deal, and guess what? She's hard left politically. She has been in many, many ways. She's the one, remember, Katanji Brown? When she was asked the definition of a woman... She said, I can't give you one. Why? I'm not a doctor. Oh my gosh. I'm not a doctor either. 
I'm a man. And I know the difference between a man and a woman. I got that. Speaking the truth, the left doesn't want you to hear. TNN, the Truth News Network. When it comes to online meetings, you're crushing it. But if you want to crush something that's a little more fun, why not play Best Fiends, the five-star rated puzzle game? Best Fiends is loaded with challenging puzzles that are so much fun. And you're never accidentally on mute. So take a stress break with the cutest characters on the planet and download Best Fiends for free from the App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. Play Best Fiends. Download free. You love chocolate. Mmm, chocolate. You love M&Ms. Oh, yes. But your tastes have grown up and you're just not wild about super sweet milk chocolate. So you've been avoiding M&M's. Yeah. Well, fear no more. Huh? M&M's dark chocolate to the rescue. My heroes. M&M's dark chocolate candies. Available wherever fine candies are sold. One more thing about this uh, Supreme Court leaked memo, whatever, it's an opinion in draft form. We'll go back to MSNBC. Probably the most vile woman in news today. Who am I talking about? Oh, I don't even like to give you her name. Joy Reid. Her show's The Readout. So in that category of wholly unsurprising tirades, those that misunderstand the Constitution, the law, and history in general, a longtime far-left sycophant, Eli Mistal, he nailed the standard race-baiting fare of MSNBC's The Readout with his Tuesday meltdown, slamming the founders as being racist, misogynist jerk faces, his words. He wrote a book. I don't know how many he sold. It's called Allow Me to Retort, A Black Guy's Guide to the Constitution. And justice correspondent for the nation, that's what he does, joined host Roy Reed, Joy Reid in lashing out at that leaked opinion of Justice Samuel Alito. If affirmed, the majority opinion in Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization will overturn Roe v. Wade and will return full authority pertaining to abortion laws to the states, for which Mistel called the conclusion laughable on its face and wrong. So after misrepresenting Supreme Court nominee hearings, as other outlets had, Joy Reid sought Mistel's opinion on the language of the draft. And he exposed himself when he said this, I'm not a lawyer. But I did read the opinion, the draft opinion last night. It's almost like those old Holiday Inn spots. You know, somebody drops, looks like they're dying on the floor in a grocery store, and some woman jumps over and kneels down over them, and she does chest compressions or whatever, and that person wakes up and everything's going to be okay. And so somebody, when they stand up, they ask her, great job. So where, where do you work out of, doctor? Oh, I'm not a doctor. 
But I stayed at Holiday Inn Express last night. <laughs> Miss Stahl, I'm not a lawyer, but I did read the opinion last night. He said there was something about it that was quite arrogant and sort of saying, well, the law was always wrongly decided, which we've heard people on the right say for decades. I've been hearing, you know, this from the religious right since 04. They've been saying it for a long time. The language made it sound as if women just aren't capable of doing this, that the states need to make these decisions for women. Before presenting Casey, which would also be overturned if the perceived majority opinion holds as making married women a ward of the man you marry for providing husbands with a say on the matter of terminating a pregnancy. Alito's fundamental legal reasoning, what was it? Well, abortion is not a fundamental right because it doesn't go back to the founders because the founding fathers didn't recognize abortion as a fundamental right. And he's right about that, Ms. Dahl contended thus acknowledging that his forthcoming objection would not be based in fact. He went on. The Founding Fathers didn't recognize abortion as a fundamental right because the Founding Fathers were racist, misogynist, jerk faces who didn't believe that women had any rights at all. So, of course, they didn't believe that women had right to their own bodies. The Founding Fathers didn't believe that marital rape was a thing. Couldn't be a thing, according to the Founding Fathers, according to Sam Alito, and that's the history that Sam Alito is accessing. I don't know where that is being hidden. I've not ever seen that, and I've read those cases numerous times. Look, he went on, either you believe that the Founding Fathers and their infinite wrongness were overcome by the 14th Amendment, which guarantees equal protection to all people in this country, or you don't. And if you don't believe that the 14th Amendment guarantees women rights of their own reproductive systems, just like a man has a right to his own reproductive system, if you don't believe that, then we are living in a situation where women have second-class citizen status. If you do believe the 14th Amendment worked, then Samuel Alito's legal reasoning is laughable on its face and wrong, Ms. Dahl concluded. What he failed to acknowledge was that overturning Roe v. Wade does not ban abortions. And they are not, and this act would not be the infinite wrongness that he ascribed to the founders was responsible for the Tenth Amendment. That protects the state's right to govern themselves on almost every issue and the varied means by which to ratify new amendments, amendments which, if the nation had nearly as much support for abortion as he contests, would allow for a legitimate amendment to enshrine that so-called right rather than requiring a skewed interpretation of the language of the Constitution. We're going to be inundated with this, and it won't stop with the midterms. I don't care what the results are in November. This is going to stay a talking point by the left, certainly all the way through 2024. And I promise you it's going to be even beyond that, no matter what the outcome is. They have viewed this in a lot of different ways. Let me tell you one of the biggest things that they look at this about. Money. Money. Where does that fit into all of this? Well, 
abortion clinics make a lot of money. How is that? Planned Parenthood. You've seen, we've played them here, the Project Veritas videos, where they would get a person that manages at a Planned Parenthood abortion clinic, and they would get them and ask them questions. Their number one reason for wanting all this opportunity, making abortions continue to be legal, is they're making fortunes selling baby body parts. Who are they selling them to? Primarily, it's to different scientific organizations for laboratory research. And they don't donate them. And obviously, they don't pay the woman that had the abortion. They just take the babies and, in many cases, cut them up. And they sell their body parts. Follow the money. Planned Parenthood's mantra is that they're all about women's health. Everything that they give to women, that they say they're giving it to women, it's mostly low-income people, many Hispanic and African-American. In fact, the founder of Planned Parenthood, the one that brought wholesale abortion to the United States, when she set it up, this is fact, what I'm telling you. She set them up in or right next to com, com, uh, groups of housing in each city that it was in, right next to or either inside of minority homes. They preyed on African-American people. And it wasn't that it had anything to do with selling baby body parts then. These people were racist. They felt like, and they believed in extermination of humans that weren't as valuable as white people, including the ones that they were so-called serving in this women's health thing that Planned Parenthood still brags about. That, by the way, is provided by Medicaid providers in all 50 states and all our territories. Far many more places doing it than Planned Parenthood operations. It's all about being a political talking point, selling women who they feel like they own as voters anyway, but selling them to keep them to stay that way, that conservatives don't want them to be treated as women, giving them the power and authority to make up their own minds. And so this is a simple act of rebellion even though it will not make abortion illegal. we got to get off of this subject. It's driving me crazy. Let me give you another one today that will drive you crazy. Discovery Plus, that's Discovery Channel. That's their streaming service. They released its very first look featurette for the Book of Queer. The Book of Queer, which is a docu-series, and LGBTQIA2S+. I'm serious. That's the latest moniker for everybody that falls into that character, uh, that characterization. And they all determine if they do or don't. It's a. You may want to write this down. LGBTQIA2S 
Plus. This um, is a five-episode variety show. It claims to tell the story of multiple historic and groundbreaking queer individuals throughout history. If you want to learn about the world's queer, exciting truth, we'll help you dig it up like an academic sleuth. An actor can be heard singing in the trailer for the book of Queer. Hidden in these pages are stories fit for stages that inform us and engage us, shine a light on the dark ages. The trailer goes on to make wild claims about President Lincoln. He was queer. Italian sculptor stroking more Adam than Eve and calls Joan of Arc non-binary among other things. You thought Mayor Pete was one of a kind. (laughs) Well, he wasn't even the first. Abe Lincoln was a queer commander-in-chief, the trailer continues. You better believe Michelangelo stroked more Adam than he did Eve. The idea that President Lincoln was homosexual has been debunked by historians. In a 2017 interview with the Daily Beast, historian Charles Strozier said Lincoln's relationship with his best friend, who was Joshua Speed, was not sexual, as left-wing activists try to claim. I think the historical context is really important to understand, he said. In the 19th century, the taboo of homosexuality is absolutely rigid. Whitman was gay. He had to stay in the closet. Sodomy, boogery was illegal and severely prescribed. But friendship intimate, loving friendships like that between Lincoln and Speed was not only accepted, but encouraged as long as the boundary against sexualization was rigidly and absolutely maintained. Nonetheless, the Book of Queer is going to launch on Discovery Plus June 2nd at the beginning of Pride Month. The show's producers claim to have worked with and relied on 18 different historians for purposes of factual accuracy and the claims made in each episode. The episode, King and Queens, will feature stories about Lincoln, former First Lady Eleanor Roosevelt, Egyptian Pharaoh Akinian, and gay rights activist and socialist Bayard Rustin. Sashay It Forward will involve stories about Leonardo da Vinci, Michelangelo, blues singer Ma Rainey, English mathematician Alan Turing, astronaut Sally Ride, and computer scientist Lynn Conway. Queen's work makes the team work. We'll tell the children's stories about the sacred band of Thebes, Alexander the Great, baseball player Glenn Burke, gay rights leader Harvey Milk, drag queen Jose Soria, rainbow flag creator Gilbert Baker, and the rainbow flag. Gay to Z features stories about King James, poet Sappho, artist Weewa, and a transgender individual, Harry Allen, who died way back in 1922. Pride or Die will involve stories about entertainment, entertainer Josephine Baker, Joan of Arc, singer Stormy DeLavery, and activist Sylvia Rivera and Marsha Johnson. As was previously reported, Discovery Plus will be launching another LGBTQIA2S plus related series for Pride Month called Generation Drag, which will follow five teenagers, each about 15 of age, 
and their journeys into the world of drag. Doesn't that just make you feel good about this Thursday morning? Disney, everything about Disney. I told you I went to a private screening at a theater, one of a chain, a really nice theater, last night, 2,000 Mules. And it was in a theater, part of a chain owned by Disney. You know, at the beginning of them, before they actually do any previews, they do all their commercials, there were three commercials in there for Disney. Disneyland, Disney World, and Disney something else. It may have been this uh, this online, I won't even say the name again. It's, it, it's, it's too hard to even say all the letters and numbers. But nevertheless, every one of the ads that showed up was pointed at our kids and it stepped over the line of biology. You know, that one that Katanji Brown, our 2B new Supreme Court justice, she couldn't define. Disney's got it handled. They've got it answered, and they're going to tell all of our kids, anybody that does Disneyland, that's in Anaheim, California, Disney World, that's in Florida, any of the other amusement parks that are attached to the Disney operation, everybody is going to have moms, dads, kids, this is going to be thrown in their faces 24-7 when they step into the park, even where they stay. Many of the hotels in that area are owned by Disney or Disney-affiliated companies. Very few people realize that. But now you know. If you got kids, you can make a decision on it. Trade deficit numbers are out. Bidenflation. The Bidenflation train deficit has gone over $100 billion for the first time ever. Our trade deficit rose 22% in March. It was and is $109.8 billion as prices of oil and imported products rose due to soaring inflation. The trade gap for February was revised up to $89.8 billion, making it the previous record high. January's figure was 89.23, which then was a record high. Now, this past month, they were expecting the deficit to hit $106.5 billion. So they shortchanged with their projection. Imports jumped 10.3% in March to a record $351.5 billion. The figures are not adjusted for inflation, so much of the gain is likely due to higher prices and not solely caused by an increase in imports. Oil surged in March, contributing to the surge in nominal imports. Exports were also up. U.S. imports have surged in nominal terms as inflationary pressures have put the U.S. economy in the headlock. Strong demand from U.S. consumers, flush with excess savings from suppressed spending during the lockdowns and stimulus checks. That pushed imports above $300 billion last fall. March was the fifth consecutive month above that high-water mark. Let me tell you what we're in, we're in store for. And I'm not, a, I'm not a, a supporter of bad news, but when it looks like it's going to be something more than bad news, it's just going to be news that is bad, at least we need to put it out there for consideration. This inflation is doing all of this. And this inflation 
It comes from so many different angles. But every one of those angles begins in Washington, D.C. And it begins at this White House. It begins on the watch of this president. And almost all of his executive orders and those two or three pieces of legislation that he's got approved through the House and the Senate, every one of those all put together have created the perfect storm for Joe Biden and for Bidenflation. And it's not going to get better as long as these policies are in place or probably as long as he's in office. It's going to be worse. And we are right on the verge of the Federal Reserve declaring us being, I'm not even going to say it, going to be in a bad place. Oh my gosh, I can't, I can't believe that we, after all we went through, all of the good, the positive resurgent of the economy, of our jobs, our employment numbers were incredible. People were making more money, significant amounts of more money, directly tied to the Trump tax cuts for everybody at the beginning of his administration. He never gets any credit. He never got any credit. And I know it bothered him, but he didn't talk much about it. What he always did was when something bad was underway, he always pointed out the source of what was bad, where it came from, who did it, who was responsible for it being put in place. That's just the way it is, folks. We're going to wrap things up right after this at TNN Live. Long live the courageous, the tenacious, the ones who push forward and give back. Long live the greater good, the helping hand, those who fall and get back up. And long live the truck with the strength to overcome. The will to outwork. And the commitment to outlast them all. Ram, proven to last. Little Caesar's Thin Crust Pizza is so loaded with cheese and pepperoni you can't even see the crust. And if you ever want to see it again, listen very carefully. Bring $6.49 in unmarked bills or marked bills or coins or just a credit or debit card to Little Caesar's. Come alone and bring your friends or family. Bring everyone. Get a Little Caesar's Large Thin Crust Pizza with extra cheese and the most pepperoni, all at the nation's best price of just $6.49. Pizza, pizza. Top four national pizza chains. Extra most bestest thin crust pepperoni pizza versus large round one topping thin crust pepperoni pizza. Everyday standard menu prices at participating locations plus tax. Duncan is putting a whole new spin on pumpkin at Duncan with our new pumpkin cream cold brew. Smooth, bold, cold brew topped with velvety pumpkin cream cold foam made with cinnamon and nutmeg spices. And there's more pumpkin for you to love, like the delicious fall classic, our pumpkin spice signature latte. Rich espresso topped with whipped cream, caramel drizzle, and cinnamon sugar. That's how we pumpkin at Duncan. Sip into the fall season with the new pumpkin cream cold brew or pumpkin spice signature latte. America runs on Duncan. Price of participation may vary. Limited time offer. Exclusions apply. 
hadn't said anything about our buddy Elon Musk. He tweeted this yesterday. Interesting. I wonder if those funding these organizations are fully aware of what the organizations are doing. Now, what what is he talking about? Listen to what happened. Some of the most high-profile liberal folks have joined together to encourage advertisers to boycott Twitter if Elon brings in his promised policy of unfettered free speech. 26 NGOs and advocacy groups signed a letter expressing concern about the world's richest man's plan. Musk himself responded to the letter asking who funded them. The answer, he knew it already. It's an assortment of dark money groups like George Soros' Open Society Foundation, NGOs founded by former Clinton and Obama administration staffers, wealthy Democrat donors and their family foundations, labor unions, and the governments even of European nations. Now, who are these people that did this? They wrote this letter to all of these advertisers. Here are the groups. Access Now, Accountable Tech, Black Lives Matter, Center for Sin, uh, for Counting, Counting Digital Hate, Empowering Pacific Islander Communities, Face the Music Collective, Fair Vote UK, Free Press, Friends of the Earth, Gender Equity Policy Institute, GLAD, Global Project Against Hate and Extremism, Indivisible Northern Nevada, KROS, Media Matters for America, Media Justice, Naral Pro-Choice America, National Hispanic Media Coalition, Religious Coalition for Reproductive Choice, Repro Action, Stop Online Violence Against Women Incorporated, The Sparrow Project, Ultraviolet, Union of Concerned Scientists, V-Day, One Billion Rising, and Women's March. Numbered among those particular organizations that you heard, the letter were signed not by the individuals, but by members of the organizations. They included Barack Obama, and his wife, and many others like the Clintons. Don't forget, tomorrow morning, our second hour, Congressman Mike Johnson be here. Before that, we'll have a bunch of news for you. Have a great one. Some say that we're reckless. They say we're much too young. Tell us to stop before we Got to hold out till graduation. Try to hang on, Maxine. While the world is sleeping, we meet at Lincoln Hall. 
See you.